Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much for joining me this week. My motivational quote today is actually by a .com, so that's kind of interesting, but it's markandangel.com, and the, the quote says, When someone undermines your dreams predicts your doom, or criticizes you in any way, remember, they're telling you their story. Spirituality is such a big topic that we hear about often in our present culture. And if you haven't, I don't know how you've been avoiding it. So my first question is, what does your spirituality mean to you? Would you define it as finding inner peace or maybe even a balanced life? Maybe you think being more spiritual is simply sharing kindness to the world, which again isn't a bad thing. Another word that is used with frequency when we discuss this platform of spirituality is being mindful by using meditation in our daily life to help gain clarity. Well, my, my biggest question is, well, okay, so do you know, uh, do you look at spirituality as inner peace, balance, etc., as something you even think is attainable, or perhaps even as a foreign concept? Do you even know where to begin to start to gain, to gain some clarity within this truly monumental topic? Well, today my guest, David Lowe, is going to help us understand the difference between religion and spirituality which I think this classification may provide a clearer picture of the path that some of you guys might be seeking. We're also going to discuss some of the uh, tragedies that are happening in our current events and try to find the purpose behind those tragedies. David holds a Ph.D. in Religious Studies and is an adjunct professor at Rutgers and Camden, my alma mater, Rutgers, Rowan and LaSalle Universities. He has an M.S. in Community Counseling and has worked as a substance abuse counselor for seven years. He currently does dream work and maintains a small counseling practice, and David's first book just came out, and it's called Universal Spiritual Philosophy and Practice. So, David, thank you so much for being on the show, and welcome. Good morning. Thank you, Connie. I'm psyched. Yeah, it, you know, okay, so David and I were talking before um, we started the show, and, you know, his background is all about religion and spirituality, and so he is absolutely well-versed, and me, I'm on my path, my journey <laughs> of what it all means and trying to define it and see how it works um, for me. So my first question, David, is when did you start thinking about consciousness overall, and was there really a significant event or a gradual process for you? I, I, I was hyperactive and asthmatic growing up, so there was a lot of early suffering, which kind of drove me inside. I sort of escaped into science fiction, I think, and I, I began having funny dream experiences as a teenager. Uh, that would be the first thing. My transcendental meditation initiation in college was powerful. But the biggest thing was the initiation I had from the major guru who I follow. That blasted me wide open. I started experiencing things a lot more deeply. Um, all that was back in 1983. Uh, 
it's been a it's it's been a gradual process in that ever since that initiation there's been a lot of steady release of inner pain through through catharsis over the course of well about three decades and my perception has changed there's a lot more of a flow and unity to everything than there used to be um, I'm I, I'm not enlightened or anything but I do perceive the background fabric of reality as well as all the things in it so there is a, a great sense of harmony that didn't used to be there now when you say harmony that and unity that didn't used to be there are you saying the universe or our world didn't have it or you weren't aware of it until this you know these decades of study I wasn't aware of it in that I felt isolated but after a while after so much of of this pain release took place, I literally began seeing things differently. There's, um, like, you know how when you look at a scuba diver in um, a big aquarium tank, you can see you're conscious of the water as well as of the scuba diver, right? That's kind of the way it is with me visually for everything these days. There's more of a kind of a flow to everything that didn't used to be there. It does, it, 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 um, it embraces the whole universe. There's no question about that. And my own sense is that I am the center of everything, but everybody is also the center of everything insofar as we're all, our essential nature is divine. So that's the best way that I could answer that briefly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a huge topic. It really is. I, I you know, I, I know that I'm on my spiritual journey and like what you just said to me seemed profound because I'm not there yet. I don't just look at the world and see the flow easily. I... I feel like I struggle. I want to see it, which is a problem because I put out in the universe that I want to see it instead of I do see it and then it comes to you, right? So I'm still in that transition of I'm saying the wrong things in my head and I catch myself. I go, no, that's not what I wanted to say or that's not what I wanted to think. Even more, I think more impactful is the the energy of our thoughts and and, and our behaviors. So, well, that happens to me all the time in, in that, you know, that's um, that's a you know visual experience, but only half the time is it an emotional experience. So I do have my my, my own um, my own um, um, immature upbringings and, and consequent consequent um, unfortunate events which occur. But I do have a greater sense of flow than did used to be there. Yeah, and I, you know what? I guess I do too. I see I see more things. I do to some extent, but I know, but here's the thing, because I overthink things, um, I, I know I'm missing the flow, I'm missing things that, like, would you, for you, would be like, how'd you miss that? It would be so obvious. So, again, we're all on a different path. Uh, so what, what spurred you, because this is your first book, right? So what spurred right. you writing The Universal Spiritual Philosophy and Practice? Well, one day I was sitting in this library after having taught my, my uh, um, religion classes, and I had this sort of epiphany or peak experience in which the idea for the book crystallized in my mind. Um, the courses that I've been teaching um, had been becoming less and less fulfilling, so something else was in, was, was in the offing. Uh, the burning desire I have is to get people to understand and tune into the deeper aspects of religion. Um, so that if people could would realize that the, so all the superficial differences in history, geography, ethnicity, all those things mean nothing. If you, just, if you could just begin to fathom the initial levels of deeper spirituality. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, for clarity, there are like three ways of interpreting a scripture, literally, partially, metaphorically, and mystically. A lot of people are stuck in the literal. It drives me nuts. Mm. They're like spiritual 10-year-olds, you know, but I yeah. ah, <laughs> want to do something about it. So that's really what spurred the book, because you felt like they were yeah. one-dimensional in the whole religious um, uh, defining or understanding. So yeah. who, who specifically, when, when you had this epiphany in the library, who was the, your, your um, uh, person you were writing it for? Did you, did, was that clear? Maybe it wasn't. No, no. It's basically, uh, a critically-minded person who's left his place of worship, uh, if they ever had one, is sick of all the fighting in politics and religion, but who also has trouble relating to, I guess you could call, popular New Age spirituality. Mm-hmm. A wide range of folks who are sort of looking for answers. Um, so it gives you like a concise overview of different levels of understanding of things. So um, a question like, does the devil exist? Right. There's a brief, shallow answer to that question, and there's a profound, detailed answer to that question. The book gives you both, with lots of pictures and word balloons to make it fun reading, even though it's systematic, right? Right. Um, so, you know, ten people have ten different experiences of, of the same teacher. What this book does is summarize thousands of people's roughly similar experiences under similar circumstances. So it helps you sort of think things through for yourself. Interesting. Now, for you, you, you're talking about religion and spirituality, and it's funny the way you described uh, religion. And you know, I don't, and I don't mean any offense to anyone listening, but I was raised Catholic. I went to a Catholic grammar school. You know, the whole nine yards. And as I aged and became more aware of the priest and, and their, uh, you know, when they gave their uh, homilies and the need for money and, and, you know, you become hyper aware of things as an adult, religion became less um, satisfying and I, I, I wasn't getting anything out of it other than almost walking out angry saying, oh my God, I'm coming here, oh my God, See, I'm coming here for um, peace and to, to, you know, be with other like-minded people and all this, and I feel like all you do is ask for money. So I, right. I started to look at religion as a man-made tool, and that's, I think, what spurred my uh, desire for, and you called it New Age spirituality. I didn't know it was right. a New Age spirituality. I just knew that I needed more. So yeah, when you sure. talk... When you talk about, and, and I'm sure many other people feel that way too, and not that I denounce Catholicism, I, I certainly don't. I mean, I was raised and I still believe in Jesus and all of that. So when you talk about religion and spirituality, right. what is that's the distinction for me, and it's probably wrong because I don't know anything about these topics. What is it for you, or how would you clarify that distinction for us? Uh, I would say, you know, religions are cultural systems. You can measure and um, observe them. Contemplative spirituality or mysticism is deeper. It's underneath language and culture. You, know, mm-hmm. you, you enter a more profound realm of direct experience and feeling, which, you know, everybody has glimpsed. Sure. Um, in the human world, things like childbirth or, or, or falling in love are, is can can feel quote unquote spiritual, but in that case you have biological mechanisms helping you out, endorphins, mm-hmm. hormones, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Real mystical experience doesn't depend on that. I guess one 
maybe um, a very common entryway experience would be to go out to the starry sky at night in the winter, no light pollution, good conditions. You look up into the vault of heaven, you see the Milky Way and the thousands of stars, and you realize that there is a plan. I do have a destiny. And that's a felt experience, you know, and you can deepen that through spiritual practice. That's sort of a good entryway experience into deeper mystical understanding, I think. How many people do you think have that naturally without any um, previous exposure or thought of just going out and looking, like you said, at the heavens and the stars in the winter um, and have that profound experience? Do you think that it happens? Under those conditions, 100%. Really? Really. I mean, under good conditions, looking up at the, looking up at, at the vault of heaven with all those starry skies in the Milky Way imparts to you a sense of profound authority. Uh-huh. I mean, a, a, a really good mature spirituality does acknowledge a great overarching sense of infinity, of authority to which we must in some sense submit. No matter how vague it may be, there is a real sense of destiny. And, and th- there, there's a plan, and you feel it. You can literally feel it. I would say that's the best immediately available, well, not for folks who live in the city, uh, because of all the light pollution, but you get people out under those conditions, 100% would feel it, or almost, <laughs> I think, anyway. You know, it's interesting. Um, when I was a kid, my mom used to say that I saw uh, nature. I saw it, right? I felt it. Uh, we, we grew up in Newark, New Jersey, which is a city, <laughs> you know, during the riots, so it was bad. And um, before we moved to Homedale, my dad you know, fam- we had four kids, my mom and dad, so family of six, it was very expensive to take any vacation. Right. So he bought a house down at Beach Haven West. It was nothing back then. It was a little little house. We still have it to this day, which is my favorite place on earth. But I remember leaving the city, going down the shore, and at night we would sit outside because we didn't have air conditioning and all of that. So you, we literally slept outside half the time. And I, I remember we would be out there and I would look up. And for me, I saw the stars because in Newark, it, again, the light, the pollution, it was horrible in the 70s. So I remember like saying to my, like I would explain to her, do you see that? Do you see that? And she would giggle or we would watch a sunset down the shore over the water, you know down the shore, I say, over the water. And I would say to her, not like my breath, it would be taken away from me. I would go, look at the magic, like, look, it's beautiful. And I was a kid, I was 11 or 12. And right. she would giggle and she would say, yes, I know, nature speaks to you, Connie. You see it like no one else. And, but never poo-pooed me, always, never, which I give my mom credit for, I have to tell you, but really understood that I saw something. I, I, it moved me, it truly did, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, but when I said new age spirituality, I, I mean new age, old age, where we're you know, getting back to the indigenous powerful experiences, which everybody originally had. Yeah, so that's cool. Isn't that cool? And, it, you know, I still have it today, which is interesting, but I do have those vivid memories, kind of like what you're describing. So now, again, is it because, you know, I was a kid and, you know, you're laying on a lounge chair looking up at the stars because we had nothing else to do with a thousand degrees. There was no air conditioning. So we were outside. How many people stay inside in the air conditioning? So again, is it just because of the time and and that you weren't doing anything else? I mean, I don't know, but I still am moved by nature um, to this day. I, I, it does take my breath away, which is interesting. We have to take yep. a quick break. So I'm gonna uh, the next topic I do want to talk about 
is again I mentioned the Christianity or really the Catholicism so Christianity and Islam as are missionary faiths according to you um, but you say Judaism as well so I when we come back I really want to just talk about that from the religious aspect and then I want to sure. shift back to the um, spirituality okay so we'll take a quick break a speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, trainings, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back. We are speaking with David Lowe, and we're talking about his new book, Universal Spirituality. I'm, I'm sorry, Universal Spiritual Philosophy and Practice. So, all right, Christianity and Islam, missionary faiths, but you say Juda Judaism is as well. So, what do you mean by that? Well, all the Western religions believe in one transcendent God above and beyond nature, right? So they're basically all competing with each other to get there. And I mean, this is the fundamentalist, not everybody else, but the fundamentalist who um, interpret things narrowly and therefore calls all, calls all, all of the wars and fighting. They, it's for them, it's a very profound sort of ego competition to be up there closer to God than the other two religions. And, <laughs> They're, you know, really, I mean, they're missionary faith because, because, you know, if you're convinced of your inherent superiority, then you feel morally bound to share it with everybody else, whether or not they want it. You know what I mean? Sure. And so um, what's interesting about Judaism is you can convert to Judaism, and a quarter million people have in, like, of the 20th century in this country. But that's not generally how it's thought of. It's a people, an ethnicity, as well as a religion, which gives Judaism a very worldly orientation as a faith. Um, and so, but they're also the chosen people, right? Sure. So you're, you're human, but you're always trying to be more than human. And, you know, that's, from, from that you get this famous guilt dynamic, more so than <laughs> anyone else. Jews feel, no, they, they feel compelled to go out and create heaven on earth in the world. Yeah. And that's where all their achievements and Nobel Prizes come from. It's really cool. That's their missionary activity, you know, stemming from that same ultimate cause of this one God whom they're trying to impress, but in a different wow. way. Wow. Yeah, and so it's Never really interesting. Yeah, I mean, and you can get in this whole thing about how important they've been in creating economies and modern business practices yes. and so forth. Yes. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, Judaism, it is a missionary faith, but in a different way. Yeah. In their worldly achievements, absolutely, but the same I, cause. I, g I giggled at the word guilt because you know the Catholics are real good with guilt too. But you're you're saying it's guilt from a, a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. Like, young Jews, young modern Jews aren't affected by this, but a lot, but a, a lot of the old conservative guys still are. Yeah, you know, they're 
you get these traditions of studying law and medicine and so forth in the faith. Yeah. And it's, it's very, they want to go out and, you know, and just Change create world. joy, love, education, yeah. fulfillment. And that's what, that, that's what they've always tried to do. And there's a whole interesting thing about money connected with that, which we can talk about if you want. But, but go um, ahead. Yeah, that I, I see that this this topic, and when we we throw religion and spirituality, I think each of them alone are huge topics. You start to build, peel back this onion, and it's it becomes really huge from a conversational standpoint. I, I want to shift back to this. That was very interesting. Never thought about that, but wow, I totally get what you just said. Um, my my other uh, question, going back to that spirituality realm, is do you think the planet, because I keep hearing this too, do you think the planet is in a waking up process and why? Or oh, why yeah. not? I think it's, it's, it's Absolutely. I think it's instructive to compare the planet to um, an individual. When a person grows emotionally and spiritually, he or she goes through lots of turmoil. <clears throat> That's what's happening on the planet. We've mined and fracked and drilled and logged and fished and overpopulated way too much, and we don't know how to stop. Yeah. Now, all these things are boomeranging, right? And so we're waking up, and you know, we need to wake up faster. If we don't, we're toast. I really think so. Um, so, yeah, we need to apply a little bit of discipline and make better choices about stuff. And, um, you know, things are getting, it may seem that on the surface things are getting discouraging. But underneath, because of that discouragement, there's, uh, people are undergoing a lot, of imp, a lot of involuntary introspection resulting in spiritual transformation. So I think one of the things we'll see, you know, you, you remember those, those 400 families, the, uh, the top 1% of the 1% who yes. control almost half the money, right? Yes. You're going to start seeing, when they start having spiritual awakenings, you're going to start seeing philanthropy on a scale that we've never seen before. Um, you know, things like that are going to happen, but they need to happen quickly. <laughs> And it's funny because I had a conference call this morning with a client and we were talking about personnel and who to hire and, you know, all this kind of thing. And, and um, she says, you know, I just, it, it, she's, she had to hire someone new. And that's what, what sparked the conversation. And she said, you would think that in this economy that there would be tremendous choices out there. And what she's finding is for these new hires, again, entry-level type positions, that they just settle for mediocrity. And, and. I see that throughout the world and throughout, it's not just this one client, it's every one of my clients and that disturbs me and then I hear that, yes, we're, the planet is waking up and, and I know I'm waking up personally, I could, I could admit to that, but it, I, I hope you're right, I hope that it happens in time because we are, I think we're in a dead spiral. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, there will be a collapse of salary ranges. The highest salaries will come way down, and, low, and, and the lowest salaries will go up. It takes compassion, but it will, it will, it'll happen. Give it 20 or 30 years. Things Ugh. will fall into place. I really think so. Uh, I hope so. 20 or 30 years, that sounds, I, and the funny thing is, I know, being 54, 20 or 30 years goes, goes by in a blink, right? Um, yeah. I, <clears throat> I want to talk about, we have about um, maybe 10 minutes left. So I hope we could talk about, I do want to talk about the um, current events, the tragedies. So I'm going to let you figure out the timing of this because, you know, from your answers. But I also want to talk about in your chapter about spiritual energy, it's kind of what we're talking right. about now. You talk about what you call the prosperity gospel. So right. what is that and how does it work into your message and what we're talking about? 
only as a comparison piece to what I think is um, a better understanding about money. Uh, the process uh, the prosperity gospel is well known um, to academics. You see it in more fundamentalist groups. In exchange for your church attendance, Bible study, prayers, and regular donations, right, God will mm-hmm. give you a happy and prosperous life. Mm-hmm. The underlying assumption behind that is dualistic, that you are separate from God and always will be. So, so you're basically bargain. You want to get God on your side as a business partner. Okay. <laughs> right? The monistic or New Age understanding, though, is much better, I think. The background assumption is that you're already part of God. So instead of bargaining, you try to align yourself with your own unique expression of Godhood, if you will, so that, yeah. as they say, you know, the money will come once you do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and with the dualistic prosperity gospel, it's very easy to end up thinking that you're not worthy if you don't end up if, if you don't end up getting what you think you deserve, it's also more selfish. It's a more selfish stance. You, you're you're you know, trying to get the best you you can from God, which perpetrates the old way of thinking that 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 I think we want to get away from, which is based on competition. But the monistic New Age approach, it's not possible to be unworthy because your essential nature is divine to begin with. And there's yeah. no unfairness, because if you really tune into the perfection and harmony of everything, then you really do experience win-win with your clients. So I think that's cool. But we need to f- tune into a better understanding of money as it relates to, uh, to spirituality. And I think that's the way to do it. And, and wow, that, was, that is an interesting perspective. Um, you know, I... I used to feel I wasn't worthy. That was interesting that you used those exact words. And now I don't even think of from a worth perspective because as my business has grown, as new clients embrace me, and I use that word on purpose, I am very blessed. I have amazing clients who I truly respect and I think they respect me and what I do for their companies. So that's, you know, wonderful to be based on that. But my business has grown and exceeded any expectation I could ever have had. This radio show, I was approached to do this radio show. Who the heck am I, right, for to have this awesome, I was telling you before, to meet these people all over the world, right? So when you ask for something, be careful that you set limitations on the expectation because I, my expectations have been exceeded exponentially, could never have ever thought that I would be hosting, you know, radio show, podcasts, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, that, that idea of I'm not worthy to, you know what, I'm going to put it all out there, be the best I can be, and, you know, the universe will really provide for me the way it should because yeah. I, can't, I can't assume to know what's to come next. That's not, that's not my, my, my exactly. desires, right? You, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't, um, it doesn't equate, but that's a right. real tough concept to buy into. Yeah, I'll tell you, that was a hard one. Right, so you want to get into another question? I'm sorry. I did. Okay, so 9-11, we have, um, you know, I remember reading somewhere that the greatest spiritual teachers see the positive in everything, right? I'm thinking about the planetary evolution you mentioned. You know, you're not enlightened, but what you do make, what do you make of events like 9-11, the Orlando shooting, the, you know, that just happened? Like, how do, what's our takeaway from that? 
Yeah, I think that the main benefit is it makes us start to look in the mirror. I mean, no, normal mm-hmm. normal factors in sociology, history, psychology, and so forth can can go a long way to um, explain those things, but they can't explain everything. There are deeper, maybe lower vibrations, spiritual forces involved, and they can be transformed with the right kind of love. But um, you know, we're going to have to do a lot of collective self transformation. Um, people need to confront their apathy, their lassitude. I mean, if, if enough of us can get far enough. Spirituality quickly enough, we can reach that hundredth monkey and transform things like we didn't imagine is possible. Um, I think what's going on is, you know, Armageddon is always happening. That old Christian idea of, of, of sure. this battle um, at the end of time—it's always going on. The idea that there's, that there's going to be one event and the day of judgment is nonsense, as far as I'm concerned. Of course, Jesus isn't going to Jesus isn't going to come back and lead an army against Satan. Armageddon refers to the struggle between lesser goods and greater goods going on in people's hearts all the time. You know, it takes place in therapist's offices or any time someone tries to witness their negativities, right? And the resurrection has nothing to do with raising the dead. It's just a purification of the individual soul, manifesting more light, love, and knowledge. So, you know, we need to... Uh, we, we need to look in the mirror and begin to transform ourselves. That's the benefit of it, and realize that there's so much potential for greater love and harmony that we can all tune into if we're just willing to, um, to you know, ignore our cell phones, ignore our video games, get into our feelings, have a, have a more embodied experience of directly relating to each other with honesty and openness. And I think a lot of spontaneous compassion can arise out of that. And things really can transform, but we need to look at ourselves more so than ever before. And do you think these extreme events like the Orlando shooting, 9-11, and there's so many others um, you know, that we could talk about, but um, do you think those extreme situations help us come together and rally uh, and show compassion to those that were affected? Is, is that part of... Are we are awakening almost that we need to see the extreme situations because when things Absolutely. are good, yeah. things are good, right? Yeah, well, I mean, 9-11 is basically like, a, you know, a traumatic experience. Like, if you get thrown into a pond when you're five years old and, um, mm-hmm. and, and there's a water snake right next to you when you, surface, when you surface, you'll remember that. And then 40 years later, when your kids drag you into the reptile house, you have another you know, freakish experience of fear sure. because you remember that early trauma. Our civilization left barbaric religion behind 200 years ago in disgust, and now we're rediscovering it, and it's lashing out. And, mm. and uh, we shouldn't be surprised as far as I'm concerned because we, we hold, I mean, the historical memory of that stuff before the European Enlightenment. Yeah, it was really barbaric. You know, the Inquisition, all that sort of stuff, yeah. the torture chambers and so on. We left all that behind, but we never left it behind completely. Mm. So now, as the world expands, we encounter these tiny corners of our minds. It's, it's, it's like a trauma deep in your mind that sooner or later you're going to find it again. Mm. And so we run across these, these, the, these, these ancient tribes in these little, little corners of the world, and we offend them just by the way we are, and they, and, uh, they lash out to our surprise. But really, what's going around comes around. We have to embrace them, and they have to embrace us. So that's what needs to happen, and that's the inevitable process of self-discovery on a planetary scale. So it had to happen sooner or later. You know, it's just now things are coming due, which we sowed historically 500 years ago. 
you know. Yeah, it, and uh, you know, I hope you're right that we wake up fast enough and become more philanthropic and compassionate and, and all those things. So we have literally 30 seconds left. My last question, and if we go over a little bit, it's it's not going to kill us. But what can people do to be happy overall? Because I think that helps. It, one person at a time can impact the, the vibration of the world, right? So how can right. people be happy? Well, first of all, my website, David Lowe, L-O-W, no E, David Lowe, M-S-P-H-D dot com. Remember that. Um, there's a great affirmation, which, uh, which I'm a Hindu saint, uh, wrote once. It's called, I can, I will, I am able. Mm. I mean, I think in people's unhappiness, there is a lot of, there, there is a self-esteem component. I can, I will, I am able. Helped to transform me about 30 years ago. That phrase kept me happy for a long time, about from 30 to 25 years ago. Um, that's a good one. Uh, another one, I, I will be what I will to be. I will do what I will to do. That helped me a lot as well. Sure. So those affirmations sure. are really cool. I yeah, I, and I do want to share, and everybody, um, David's website, I'm going to give it to you again, is David Lowe, again, L-O-W, no E, <laughs> and then S. P like Peter H D so PhD dot com. Um and don't worry, a M lot of people I'm, I'm sorry, MSPHD.com. And don't worry everybody, I will put that on the Web Talk Radio um website so David they could literally click on that and I backlink it on the platform so that they can reach you easily. If you would like to speak with David directly, you can email him at david at worldspirituality.com. And again, the book title, Universal Spiritual Philosophy and Practice. Um, you know, I'm a, I, I uh, take two vacations over the summer again at our, our shore house. And um, I read because it's my time to kind of unplug and read all these books. I have them piled in my office. And then I bring them down the shore and they go on the beach with me and I read around the clock. It's my unplugging time. This will be one of the books that my feet are in the sand, David, and I will be reading. And I hope those that are listening are compelled to say, hmm, this is an interesting topic. And again, if it's a perspective that you never thought about, you really need to read the book because I think that's how we change the world, by just opening our perspective and making it a little bigger. So, David, thank you so much. And, um, again, everything, I'll even post the book title. They could get the book, they could get the book through the website as well, I assume? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the rest. So all the yeah, places. Right. Okay, cool, cool. But, again, if... You want to just go to the website, click, click, you're, you know, easy peasy, you can, you can buy the book as well. Um, also, you know the routine, send me your stories. If um, something that we talk about inspires you and you want to hear more of it, you know, let me know. I, I have guests come on several times sometimes David you might be back um, no pressure because sure. we um, you know people respond to emails or on Facebook or LinkedIn whatever the platform is and they say oh more. We, we'd love to hear more so um, send me your stories email me at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com and I really will try to deliver and continue to inspire you guys um, thank David thank you again for taking your time out of uh, out of your day to be on and sharing uh, very just very good insightful information and thank you for the clarification and definition of something so uh, thanks for being thank on thank you for uh, thank you for having me it's been a great honor i've enjoyed it yeah it's always a lot we always have a lot of fun it just goes a little fast 
I hope you, yeah, I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that change is possible and easier than we often think. Um, thanks again, David, for being an awesome, inspiring guest. Thanks for all your insight and inspiration. Thank you all for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thanks, and have an inspired week, everyone. Go and 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 look at things from a different perspective. Enjoy. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can't.